what is the worst storm that you have ever been in? Was it a hurricane? Anybody been in a hurricane? Or perhaps it was a storm producing tornadoes around you, right? That can be pretty terrifying when you're in a storm like that, especially if you're in the middle of a storm like that. There's a feeling of like helplessness that kind of overwhelms you. Like there's nothing you can do. You can't really get away. You see a hurricane coming, you probably can't drive fast enough. You know, you're kind of stuck. Uh, and there's probably a lot of traffic if you're trying to get out. If there's a tornado, you uh, definitely can't get out of the way of a tornado. It comes so quickly, and the warnings are, are so short there. So sometimes just as scary are the storms of our minds, storms of our, our lives. Oftentimes it's conflict and relational issues that cause these storms. We can be overwhelmed with the decisions that we need to make, and we seem to really struggle trying to figure out how to live normally because of the drama that we have going on in our minds. Uh, questions keep falling in our minds and our brains, almost like bands of rainfall from a hurricane. You know, why, why did he say that? Why did she do that? What, what were they thinking? We're about to see an issue that was so bad in the Philippian church that Paul decided to address it corporately through this letter. Uh, this, this storm that was kind of rising in the minds of these two believers, it was, it was pouring out into the, into the church in Philippi. So join me as we read in Philippians 4, 2 through 9, as we hear Paul call out two ladies who are struggling in agreement here. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored, labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your, re- let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is a a difficult area to preach on. I think all of us know what it's like to struggle with our minds, with stress or worry, and as we see the suicide rates at the highest they've ever been in our nation. We know that, that people are struggling with their thinking. We know that there's storms going on in people's brains. We know that the enemy is causing many of these storms and dissension and division. God, many of the things that are even just struggling uh, just personally with people without even taking other people into account. So God, I pray that you be with us today. Help us to clear our minds as we have our struggles and we all bring those struggles with us. Lord, may you take them away from us. Help us to focus on your word throughout this time and to be changed from the inside out. God, we love you, praise you, and thank you. Amen. So today we're going to discuss three ways we can have a peaceful mind even in the midst of a stormy world. Uh, messages like this can inevitably turn human-centric, and so I don't want that to happen. So uh, if you kind of see me kind of going and truly exalting God, I want us to always look at 
God first because it's so easy to become sinner-centric instead of Christ-centric or Christocentric. And, and the modern church is doing a lot of sinner-centric preaching, a lot of sinner-centric teaching and outreach. The problem with that is that man becomes God. Man becomes the highest of orders. And the issue is that doesn't do man any good because you can't glorify a worm. A worm is always going to be a worm, and that is how we're described in the Bible as men, as worms. But we can't glorify God. And so when we stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and we exalt him and not ourselves, we become Christocentric instead of man or sinner-centric. We can truly have victory. So uh, I just pray that you help us to keep that in mind as we go through these points. So the first point is you can have a peaceful mind if you avoid disunity in the Lord. I'll read these first two verses again. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So any of you all thinking about naming their next kid Euodia or Syntyche? They're, 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 a tu- they're a little tough to say maybe in, in English here. Um, so Paul starts off this section with uh, this doublet word entreat, and he says it twice. He says it for both Euodia and Syntyche. And this word entreat means to urge or to plead with, right? And even beg maybe if you really, if you really look at it to a deeply. Now, these two women have some form of a disagreement. And this disagreement obviously has reached a pretty high echelon if Paul's addressing it corporately here. And these two women are also probably pretty well known in the church. Uh, most people, would, if, if, as he's writing this letter, they're like, oh yeah, I know who that is, and I know who that is. And they probably know there's a, there's a, there's a rift, there's an issue between these two women. And the question is, what is their disagreement? This is the beauty of Scripture. We have no idea. We have no idea what their disagreement is. We know one thing, that, that it's most certainly not doctrinal in nature because Paul was very quick to, to rebuke false doctrine. So it wasn't that, you know, one of them was teaching there's an afterlife and the other one wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a big theological doctrinal issue because Paul addressed those head on really, really quickly. So, you know, this is either a personality issue or a preferential issue, you know, something like that. But I love it because we're able to apply this to anything in our church today. God intentionally leaves out certain things like the, the thorn in Paul's flesh. He leaves out what it is because it allows us to apply that to our own lives. It allows us to make the, 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 the living and wor- active word of God is able to penetrate us. And it's just amazing how God leaves some things open like this. If you've been around church very long, you know there can't be disagreements in church. I know that's really hard to believe. But there can be disagreements in church. Uh, sadly, it's amazing how decorations, color schemes, and what you're going to bring to a dinner can sometimes start off a civil war in a church. Uh, it can be something very, very simple. And today, it's COVID testing, COVID vaccines. That will set a civil war off in a church or even in our world in, in general. You know, whatever it is, we can have disunity over sometimes what can be the most trivial things, things that we wouldn't have really thought about two years ago. Things we, but, but now they become so big. So Paul gives some great advice in verse 3. He promotes unity by calling on others in the church, other leaders in the church, to help in this situation. I want to digress just a moment so we can address conflict resolution as Jesus addresses conflict resolution. Matthew 18, 15 through 35 goes through this very, very well. I'm not going to exposit that whole scripture, but I just want to hit a couple of the highlights so that we remember, okay, if I have a problem with somebody, this is the order that we go. I think it's really important because here we're seeing Paul publicly address this, but just know 
they probably took the other steps first. So we don't just go and say, hey, Pastor Jonathan, let them know that, that Randy over here is causing trouble. You know, let, let, let them know uh, that, that Jim needs to be rebuked publicly. Like, you know, that's not how that they, how they go, right? So, so first, Matthew 8, 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and, you, and, and you, uh, him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So don't just go gossiping about something as soon as it happens. Don't just jump and say, hey, I'm going to let everybody know that, that, that Kevin is a troublemaker. We need to let everybody know, uh, and I'm just going to let everybody know that he did me wrong. You know, he ate the last cookie. Kevin, you're killing him. You know, wh- whatever it was, he's the closest one to him, so we'll, we'll call him the guilty party. So, so first, try to work it out between the two of you. And then second, we see in Matthew 18, 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two along with you and every, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So take a couple of solid believers. Don't just take your best friend who's going to agree with you. Maybe look for a pastor, a deacon, a teacher, somebody, another leader in the church to go with you. And, and, the, and this is a, a humble approach, not a judgmental, condescending approach. It's a humble approach, knowing that we're all sinners, that we need to make sure that we are approaching them just like you should have in the first time, that I'm a sinner just like you are, but this is just an issue we need to deal with. And then in Matthew 18, uh, 17, we see that we bring it to the church. And so that's kind of where we're, that kind of brings us full circle to get us to where we're at. So I wanted to digress a little bit so that we remember the proper channels, the proper steps of getting to this point. And this is where Paul is right now. So after entreating or pleading with the ladies themselves, he reaches out to someone he calls true companion. Uh, this could be a playoff of a, a, a name, uh, Sizigus, could, could actually be his name, Sizigos, um, or it could be just a quality of a certain man, and he's just referring to it that way. Either way, this true companion is to remind these women that they labored with Paul, that they labored with Clement and the other brothers and sisters in Christ, and even to let them know their name is in the book of life. So these are born-again, regenerated female believers who, who love the Lord, who are, who are in the book of life. They have salvation. They have the Holy Spirit, and yet still... They're in a disagreement, and it's a pretty heated disagreement. Uh, it's humbling to know that even after we're born again, even after we're saved, even after, you know, we've, we've repented of our sins, how quickly we still have the flesh, right? We have the spirit, and we have the flesh, and there is always a battle. And so it, it's humbling to know that disunity can, can eat up even the, even the strongest of believers, and it can eat away at us like a cancer, just kind of causing division all around us. And so... We must fight it hard to try to correct disunity and promote peace. So with unity with one another in Christ, we can have a peaceful mind. That's, that's a great first step. Number two, you can have a peaceful mind if you affirm the power of the Lord. So let's read verses 4 through 7 again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So disunity with others isn't the only turbulent and storm-like, uh, storm-riddled mind that we can have. We can have anxiety and worry as well, as we see in verse 6. And frankly, it may be the most uh, common cause of issues, of storms in our minds today. I think anxiety is through the roof. Uh, from a medical side, I can say I've seen a ton of patients that struggle with anxiety. It's very common to struggle with anxiety because there's a lot of things to worry about. 
There's a lot of things that we can be focused on and worry. And the Greek, w- the Greek word here is uh, for, for anxiety is uh, merimneo, and it's used 19 times in the New Testament. God knows that we are more likely to be anxious in a sinful way than concerned in a non-sinful way because he uses it 17 times in a sinful way, and only two is actually a concern. <laughs> uh, so I think that's pretty amazing how, you know, we like to use that word, I'm just concerned, just, uh, you know, just thinking about it. It's worry and it's anxiety. And sometimes we've got to call it what it is, and I feel like this is one of those sins that we were really quick to explain away. I'm just, just a worrier. Just, well, worry is sin, and I know that's tough, but, but it's kind of one of those things if you said, you know, I'm, a, I'm addicted to some substance, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's sinful. Well, if I'm addicted to worry, that's, I can also be sinful. So we need to make sure we call it what it is, and I know it is a struggle for a lot of us. So how do we, how do we combat the storms of anxiety and worry? It's a very tough thing today, especially if you're watching the news. There's a lot of things to worry about, right? So, so what do we do? So verse, verse 4, if we go back, we see that he says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. He says it twice, just to make sure you didn't get it the first time. You know, ma- make sure you're rejoicing. And are we rejoicing in our situations? No. Are we rejoicing in our wealth? Uh, that's fleeting. It'll go away. Are we rejoicing in our health? That's fleeting as well. We can be healthy one day and not healthy the next, right? We can be walking and then we hurt ourselves or, you know, something like that. Not that anybody knows what that's like here, right? So, so we can have a lot of things that can happen that can kind of change our circumstance or our situation. But who are we to rejoice in? in the Lord, right? Because who doesn't change? We just talked about that this morning. God is unchanging. How, how great is that? He is forever the beginning, forever in the future, and he's always the same. How amazing. So we can rejoice in that very fact. So some Christians kind of misinterpret this, and you get around some, uh, um, eh, don't know another way to put it, but people would maybe refer to them as holier-than-thou Christians, and, and they, they make off-the-wall statements like this. Man, I'm so glad that I got in a car accident today. Man, I'm just so rejoicing in the fact that my car is totaled. Um, as somebody who just got rear-ended and had my car totaled, I'll be straight. I, I, I was not rejoicing in my circumstance as my car got totaled, right? You know, it, it's not a real fun thing to have somebody rear-ending and total your car. Instead, we rejoice in the, in the Lord. So after the accident, I praise God for salvation. I praise Him for miraculously keeping me alive. Uh, you know, I praised Him not based on my circumstance uh, as far as where I was at, but, but my situation as far as where I'm at with Christ. I could, I could rejoice in my Savior. And so joy that comes from the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit, and it transcends our situations or circumstances. Moving forward, he tells us to be reasonable to all. And this word reasonable actually can also mean gracious. I think that's probably even a better interpretation of this word. And his reasoning for this is because the Lord is at hand and we should be quick to forgive others because Jesus said so. So in Matthew 6, 15, he gives us one of the hardest teachings in the Bible. And he says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Ah, this is a tough teaching, right? I mean, so we're told to be gracious to all. Kind of going back to my situation here recently, when I was rear-ended, uh, the, the guy wasn't paying attention. He almost killed me. And my reaction was, I'll be honest, astonishingly, it was a positive one. And it's not because, like, I'm this, like, wonderful person who doesn't get angry and never gets upset. It, it was the Spirit of God. He supernaturally gave me a, a, a concern for this guy who just completely almost murdered me. Uh, and and I, I got out of the car, and in a way I still really don't even understand, I asked how he was doing. Like, here's my accordion-like car. 
uh, you know, I had a little crossover, had a little crossover, it's gone, um, and he has this big, huge work truck, and he has a little dent on his, and my car's about done, and, and I'm like, hey, man, are you okay? Well, th- my natural reaction was not that. In my flesh, I would have got out, and I would have let him know, you better get off your cell phone, you're texting or something, you're not paying attention, how are you going 55 or 60 miles an hour, and I'm sitting still, and you hit me, you know, straight away stretch, you had plenty of time. I mean, that's my, my flesh would have reamed him. Maybe wanted to even maybe put up a couple. You know, I mean, I, that, that would have been my flesh reaction. But the Spirit of God, man, he transcends the flesh, and he overrules the flesh. And, and man, it was amazing. Looking back, I still don't, I mean, it was all the Lord. It wasn't that I'm an awesome guy and that I'm just this wonderful person, but it was God working through me. And so that tr- true peace of God that comes from, from Jesus Christ, even in the midst of a windshield that's broken everywhere, bumpers hanging off, mufflers hanging out, almost dying. Even in the midst of that, you can have peace that surpasses all understanding, as we see here, because Jesus will give it to you. And he is so wonderful. Uh, that, that, that The true peace of God is so amazing. It's the kind that can overwhelm any type of storm. Anything that's in your life, believers can be given this amazing peace that guards your hearts and minds. Looking back at verse 6, we are also commanded to approach Christ in prayer and supplication. So supplication are, are strong requests we make to the Lord. You know, almost like begging the Lord, dropping your knees. God, I, please take this from me. I can't bear this. I, it's, it's hard. So that's a good way to kind of think about supplication. And, but how, how are we to do that? It says with what? Thanksgiving. Huh. Why, why do you think he says thanksgiving? So thanksgiving is an interesting thing. And no, I'm not talking about the fact that, that stuffing, when you put it in a turkey, it tastes a lot better than when you use a box. I'm not, that's not that kind of interesting thing. What, what I'm saying is, I digress, sorry. I'm, it's getting close to Thanksgiving, as you can't tell. And I'm a good-sized guy, so I'm getting excited. Uh, so Thanksgiving does something amazing in the hearts and minds of a believer. When, when, we, when we thank God for what he has done b- previously, when we look back and we see the times he's delivered us, the times where we didn't think we could go any longer, and he gave us that extra energy. He filled us with his spirit. He, he gave us more grace. When we look back at all he's done, when we look at his creation, we thank him for fall and the beauty of all that we see, right? We're able to trust the Lord because it increases our faith. And our faith, as the more that our faith grows, the less our anxiety flows out of our lives, right? We're able to trust him because the same wonderful Savior that's delivered us in the past can deliver us again in the present presence here. He can do it again. So our God is a God of peace, and when we affirm the power of the Lord, when we affirm his sovereignty, his goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, then we're able to finally have peaceful minds. And finally, we can, if you, you can have a peaceful mind if you apply the truth of the Lord. So we've affirmed the power of the Lord. Now we apply the truth of the Lord. Follow me, uh, follow with me here in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, there are a lot of sermons from verse 8. Those are some just loaded theological words, just great things. And I, I'm gonna, we're just going to kind of take them one at a time and just get in, dig, dig into them a little bit more deeply. But before we get to there, I want us to look at the end of verse 8. What does it say, the last four words there? Think about these things. So think about these things. So this word think is not just 
to have a quick thought and let it go. It's to ponder, to, to meditate on, to spend time in, to really think on these things. And so what does Paul tell us what to think about? He tells us, first off, think about things that are, that are true, that are true. So this, this first word, true, here uh, should, should be in your handout, these different words. We are to consider the most true thing that exists, the way, the truth, and the life. So first and foremost, we need to consider and meditate on Jesus Christ the one who took our sin on the cross, died three days later, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. When we think about salvation, when we think about how glorious our Savior is, we can have a peaceful mind because we know that He is sovereign, He's in control, that He loves us. I pray that we all know that we have a right relationship with Him right now, and that, 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 we, that He is interceding for us, and that His righteousness is upon us. But not only should we think about the one who is the truth, we should think about the word that he gave us, the word of God. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, follow with me here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What do you see in that scripture? You see the word of God is everywhere. It, it's, it's in their house. It's, it's now today would be in your car. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's what you're listening to. It's what you're thinking about. It's what you're reading. The word of God has to be throughout your life. And so we need to think and meditate on the word of God and the savior of the world. Number two, we need to think about things that are honorable. So honorable means things that are worthy of respect or, or worthy of reverence. We live in a world where, where we don't really see that exalted. There's not a lot of honoring going on, but we are to think about holy things, things that are honorable. Number three, we see just, and this is a, seems like it doesn't really fit with the other words because just, when we think of justice, kind of have a negative sense in our society. Justice is going to be judgment. The, the hammer is going to be dropped, and and if you think that that's kind of what he's talking about here, you'd be very right to think such, because that is what he's saying. So why is justice going to give us a peaceful mind? How can we feel peaceful when we think about justice and judgment? Well, the reason we can think about that is because it is a very praise and praiseworthy and excellent thing to think about, because Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So knowing that God is going to make everything right one day, that, that all of the evil that we see in this world, all of the horrible things that we see on the news, many of the things we have no idea that happen that are even worse than what we're seeing on the news, all of those things will be righted. God will, will right every wrong. Man, you know, so that way revenge is in our minds. You know, what, revenge, wanting to avenge yourself, revenge for yourself, you'll never have peace. That'll be a storm that will terrorize you the rest of your life if you're always wanting revenge. So, so this is actually a great thing. We think of the justice of God, that he will bring everything to account, and we can have peace knowing that we don't have to worry about it. God's got it. The next one is pure. In a world full of impurity, we are, t we are called to be pure, set apart, holy. Wow. Like, you know, I could preach a whole sermon on that as well, but do not stain your minds with the things that this world calls entertainment. Uh, vet what you watch. Vet what you listen to. Don't just let things come in to your eyes and your ears without really thinking through 
is this a holy thing that I am listening to? Is this making me more like Christ or more like the world? Am I more, am I more like a son of God here or am I more like a son of Satan here because of I watched this, because I went to this place, because I did this? Man, just really vet that. Sometimes because of social media, because of television, the internet, and all the other sources of entertainment and different information we get, we can kind of get in this autopilot where we just accept garbage. We just allow the news media, we allow, we allow whatever it is to just fill our minds of garbage that gives us anxiety, that makes us impure, that makes us lust, that makes us covet, all those things. And we just take it in and we allow these advertisements and these certain things. Man, Satan is using all of it to change our minds, to keep them from being holy and pure. So brothers and sisters, you are holy, set apart, bought with a price. Don't, don't unite yourself to those things. Set yourself apart. Whatever is lovely is another interesting word choice. So, so God has made a beautiful creation as we talked about the fall season and the, and the leaves changing color. But we, we, God made things lovely. He made a beautiful world, a beautiful universe. We were just talking about that as well as, as, in, in, in Sunday school or growth group this morning. We were talking about how, how, the, how the, the, the spiral of a snail is the same, kind of very similar to the spiral of a galaxy and how God uses his handiwork and uses beauty throughout his creation. It screams there is an intelligent creator. There is a, a creator who spoke it into existence. How beautiful is that? Those are things that are praiseworthy. And finally, we get to commendable. So this means uh, actually worthy of praise. So when you get a commendation, it means that you're getting a praise report. It's something, hey, you've done a great job. Well, there, there's a lot of good things that are going on in our world. It's just usually not put on media. So if we look at Start, start looking at missionaries and what they're doing in certain countries. Uh, the people that are coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. Start looking at some church things, that some, some mission outreaches that we're seeing people grow, that are fighting addictions. You know, start thinking about things that are, are, are commendable, things that are good, watching the Spirit of God working, and not just watching Satan running rampant out here. Let's also look at what God is doing behind the scenes. Those things usually don't make the media quite as often. Or ever, <laughs> um, and finally, these last two words that are given here in uh, in verse eight, uh, they start with this prepositional word "if." And so, if you're wondering why I didn't put those last two in there, it's because they are actually the uh, the the if for all the other ones. And this if assumes that there are two choices we can make: we can dwell on things that are worthy of praise, we can we can dwell on things that are are commendable, all those things. And at the end, we see. We can dwell on things that are excellent, and we can, yeah, and, and the things that are worthy of praise. So we have a choice. We can think about excellent or worthy of praise things, which are what just what, what we just had given to us here, or we can dwell on the other things of this world, and we have a choice to make. So how do we how do we do that? And verse nine actually goes into a little bit more detail on how we get to that point, how we get how we get over that hump of, oh man, you know, all I'm hearing is all this negativity. So how do I focus? How do I meditate on what is right, what is holy. So verse 9 says, what you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul gives us a three-step process to get to the point where we can practice these things, and he does it in reverse order, so kind of bear with me as I kind of switched it back, because first we have to hear, and no one is believed unless they've heard, right? So you can't believe in Christ unless you know who Christ is, you can't practice what the words of Scripture unless you've heard what it is, right? So now we're blessed to also be able to read uh, today. Back then, you know, it was more of hearing. A lot of times these letters were being read publicly and things like that. 
So first we need to hear, we need to read, right? Then we need to receive it, because I mean, I don't know if any of y'all are married, but sometimes things go in one ear, and they go out the other. We didn't receive, we heard it, but we didn't receive it. And there's a big difference between hearing something and receiving it. And even after you receive it, uh, I know a lot of people say that they believe in, in God, they believe in Jesus, and so there's a lot of what we what we'd call cultural Christianity, which is not real Christianity. It's, it's a head knowledge, but it's not a heart that has been given to Christ. And you'll talk to somebody and say, okay, so you believe in Jesus Christ. Well, a lot of times this is what I'll tell them. I'll say, hey, okay, well, if I told you that, that a, a bomb was going to go off in this place in five minutes, um, and you were sitting here five minutes later, I would know that you didn't believe me, right? Because if you really believed me, you would, you'd get up out of your seat and everybody would be in their cars driving as far as they could get away from here because they really believed it. It wasn't just, ah, yeah, I, I believe, I, you're a pretty trustworthy guy. I'm going to believe what you're going to say. So, right, they're, they're going to get out of here. They're going to get out of Dodge. But if you believe there really is a Jesus Christ, that, that, that he really did die on the cross for your sins, that he did really raise from the dead three days later, that he is God made flesh, that you will stand in front of him in judgment, which will determine your heaven or your hell. Where are you going to go? You're going to go one or the other. We have a choice, right? Or we, not then. <laughs> he's going he's to be giving it. But if you truly believe that, then you're going to live like that, right? You're not just going to say, oh, well, okay, I'm just going to continue walking the way I'm walking, not make any changes, right? Because you might, so you might give it a head nod, but you don't really believe it. And that's how you tell what somebody really believes or what they don't really believe. You can see it because it's followed by action. Not that we're saved by works, but true saving faith works, right? You're going you're to run after God. So, so you receive that, and then you learn that. So now that you've heard it, you've received it, now you have to learn it. Now you have to study it. Make it your own, and then you can practice it, right? So Paul, Paul tells us, but then how do, we, how do we practice what we've learned once we get there? So we must... Fill our minds and not just clear our minds. There's a lot of religious activity that, that goes on in our world, That's like meditation, uh, yoga, different things where you clear your mind, right? Meditation's a good thing, but meditation to clear your mind, I would argue, is actually a horrible idea. Um, it, it is a very, very bad idea. And Jesus actually teaches us this in Matthew 12, 43 through 45 in principle. And bear with me as I teach on this in a second. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation. Now this is in principle. Jesus isn't talking about our thoughts here, but, but the same principle is here. So this is somebody who... A demon has left, has been cast out maybe, uh, and they didn't fill it with the Holy Spirit. There wasn't repentance. There wasn't the Holy Spirit coming in and filling the spot the demon left, right? And so now, now they're clear, right? And, so we can, and, and then what happens? They actually end up worse than they were before because that demon brings some other ones and they come back in. That same thing happens in our minds. So we clear our minds. Well, what's the first thing that's going to enter as soon as we quote-unquote clear our minds? What, what kind of garbage is in our world? There's going to be even more evil thoughts, even more things that the enemy can throw at us to fill that mind that has been cleared. There's, it may, maybe it's even worse. Maybe you were thinking about one thing, but now it's even worse. Now it's even going further, and now you're even in, in a wor worse shape than you were before. 
And so you can take this principle that Jesus teaches about demonic possession and you can apply it to your mind. You don't want to clear your mind without filling it with the word of God. We need to meditate on the scriptures. Don't just clear your mind, get, get into your happy spot. That, that's a horrible idea because as soon as you do that, just more evil is going to come in, maybe worse than what it was before. We have to replace the sinful, the sinful thoughts with the good thoughts that we just heard Paul talk about, right? We need to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, right? We have to think about those. We need to open the scriptures, recite scriptures, memorize scriptures, pray scriptures, fill our minds with that. My friends, when we replace the sinful thoughts of our minds by applying the truth of the Lord, we can have a peaceful mind. As we come to a close, I want us to take a quick look at this picture right here. This picture is a wonderful representation of the Christian life. As we walk down this road, you'll see what? Parts of the road are even kind of overcast with this storm. There are certain parts of certain miles of this road. You're going to be under the storm. Some it's going to be to your right. Some the left's going to be nicer, right? It's really hard to focus on the, the prettier weather to your left there, isn't it? Because of you're just seeing these dark clouds. You're just seeing the darkness. And that's where we're at today. We have a world where it's really hard to look past the darkness. I'm going to turn these off just so you can see it a little bit more clearly. It's really hard as we walk down this road to not look to the right, to not see these horrible storm clouds, to not, to not watch the media, not watch the news and see all the things that are out there, to not hear all these bad things said, to not even struggle in our own minds about ourselves and what we think about ourselves and how we're not measuring up and how this is going on and how we're anxious about this and am I going to get that job or you know, all these thoughts, all the storm that's raging, right? To clarify, the take-home point today is we don't ignore the storms. We don't act like, put our head in the sand and act like they don't exist. But we also aren't controlled by them either. We trust in our sovereign God to help us deal with all that comes our way. And by doing this, we can avoid disunity, affirm God's power, and apply God's truth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I know that many of us may have storms in our lives, difficulties in our lives, things that are really weighing on us right now. Some of us may not really know you as our Lord and Savior, and as we've heard this, we realize that the reason our minds are struggling is because we try to clear them, and we try to clear them, and we realize that that it's always filled with evil thoughts, that we never have peace ever because we don't know the Prince of Peace. We don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so if anyone here does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I invite them. I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I'd love to share the good news of the gospel further with you and help you walk through that. Others of us, maybe, maybe, maybe we are saved, but our flesh is still so strong. And like Euodia and Syntyche, there's, there's disunity there. Maybe there's somebody in our lives where man, there is just a disagreement. There is, it's not doctrinal. It's a preferential thing. It's, it's maybe even a sin issue. God, help us to, to let go of those things, to know that, that any wrongs that have been done to us will be, right, be, will be done right, uh, as we see in Scripture, but also to know that, 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 the, that the, what we're doing is really making more storms in our own mind and that it's choking us and, and hurting our own life. Finally, help us to think about what is true, what is right, God, what is good? Help us to meditate on you. Help us to clear our minds of, of evil and fill it with 
your word, God. May we know your word. May we be in it regularly. May we write on our doorposts. May we have it in our cars. May we listen to it while we're driving. May we you know, listen to it while we're doing chores around the home. May, may, may we read it any free time we get, and may we value it, knowing that it, the true peace only comes from you. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you. Amen.